I'm Tony. And I'm Kathy. And we're crazy enough to go to the bridge. <laughs> Tony and I have, um, we've always been obedient to tithing, um, but it wasn't until just recently that I guess we realized how blessed we were. Ethan did a, a teaching on generosity and we discussed it and we said, you know, we really feel like we need to, to be more generous and, and do it because we want to as opposed to because we're supposed to. <laughs> I can't remember what the lesson was on August 20th, but all I know is that during that week, I started to feel like God was telling me something. I talked with Ethan during the week and uh, I told him what I'd been thinking about and he told us about this one lady in the church who might need a place to stay. So I talked to Kathy and we agreed that that sounded like a really good thing to do. So after the service was over, we were waiting to talk to Ethan about it, to get introduced to this lady he was talking about. And our present guest came up and uh, we struck up a conversation, found out that she was looking for a place to stay, and we connected. Just, I mean, having never met her before is like we'd known her forever, and we're gonna know her forever. So uh, we said, okay, you've got a place to stay. When Ethan had finished talking with the other, uh, whoever he had been talking to, I asked him, I said, is this the lady that you were telling us about? He said, no, but if you feel like something's happening here, go with it. So we did. I always thought I was generous because I obeyed. And uh, I was challenged over and over again since coming to the bridge that God is such a beneficent giver and I should return the favor as it were, however able I'm able to, and have found that you can't outgive God. Hey, my name is Ethan. I'm one of the pastors. If you're if you're new, I mean, we're so glad that you're here. If you're new, man, this is a this is a packed house. I think we need to do something about this. Uh, I don't I hardly have any more seats in here, which is a, which is a good thing. Um, hey, if um, for those of you who aren't new. Can we show a little love to the people who are new this morning and thank them for being here with us today? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Man, so um, man, so glad, so glad that you decided uh, to join us today. Hey, if you have a Bible, I want you to go ahead and grab your Bible and open it to a small little book near almost the end of the Bible. It's in, uh, let's see, 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you've got an uh, app on your phone that's kind of cheating, but it's easier find uh, 1 Timothy. It's almost near the very uh, end. And we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter uh, 6 today. If you don't have a Bible, um, that's okay. Don't want you to feel bad. Uh, we'll actually put the verses on the screens for you and give you a Bible for free if you don't have your own Bible. Um, but don't want to assume that you have one. So you could grab one today for free uh, in the lobby at the resource area on your way out. We'd love to be able to just give you a Bible if you don't um, have your own. And so we're starting a brand new series today called Rich. Everybody say Rich. Rich. And I am extremely excited about this because what we're going to be talking about for today and the next two Sundays really is the fuel that allows us to be able to do the things that we do as a church 
on an annual basis throughout the entire year. And so this is an exciting season for me. This is one of those seasons during the year that I get so pumped for because we get to talk about this. Uh, Thanksgiving is, is coming up just in a couple of few weeks, and then Christmas is right around the corner. And if you've ever been a part of the bridge at Christmas, it gets crazy around here because we do crazy stuff, all right? And so it's going to be fun. I am so excited about today because it sets up everything that our church is about and everything that we are so before I dive in, why don't you join me and we'll pray. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your grace today and thank you uh, that you are good. Man, just thinking this morning about uh, what we're singing and what we're celebrating today, that you, you're good and uh, seeing water all over the floor this morning is just absolutely awesome, God. And so we thank you for what you are doing in us, Lord. And we, we take this moment that we have, uh, the few minutes that we have today, God, and we just, we just give them to you, put them in your hands ask that you would multiply it um, in our lives and that you would accomplish what you want to accomplish in and through us. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Well, just out of curiosity, by a show of hands today, how many of you want to be rich? Raise your hand. That's a little bit of a trick question, right? You're like, um, oh, uh, what, do I, what do I do? I'm at church. We're not supposed to want to be Rich and the pastor just said to raise your hand if you want. Here's, here's the reality. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying this morning, all right? <laughs> Everybody in the room uh, wants to be rich, and it's kind of a hard thing for us to talk about, but we're going to talk about it for the next couple of Sundays because all of us at the end of the day, we really want to be rich. All of us, when we were a kid, had a strategy for how we were going to get rich, now, maybe not filthy rich, maybe not a private jet rich, but rich enough to live a cush life, to have a big house, to have a hot ride, and to have enough money to buy as many Jordans as you wanted to buy. We had a strategy um, as a kid of how we were going to get rich. And so I had a strategy. I mean, being just a little kid thinking, man, this is how I'm going to get rich. This is what I'm going to do with my life. Do you know what my strategy was? My strategy was that I was going to be a professional basketball player in the NBA. I don't, I don't get it. I'm not sure why you aren't connecting the dots. I don't know why you are laughing at that. Just, just ask Lance or ask Chris or ask Pastor Clayton. I'll cross you up in a minute. I mean, I got a, I got a, mean, I got a mean crossover. I remember being a little kid and thinking, man, if I, could, if I could make it to the NBA, man, then I would be rich. I'd be able to do whatever I wanted to do with my life. And so I remember as a little kid in, in, in elementary school, we lived on 218 Hutchinson Avenue, a long two-lane street with uh, A-frame houses on both sides. And I remember going in the backyard every day after school, and I set up a little basketball in the corner, and there was no concrete. It was grass, but literally a few months in, it was nothing but a hard ground. The dirt was hard as it could be. It was hard as concrete. And I'd go out there and I'd play literally for a couple hours a day. And when I'd be done, my hands were just brown and dark because of all the dirt that was on my hands. And then I graduated from that. And I remember being a little bit older and my mom would let me walk down the street to the local Y. I remember rolling up into the Y thinking I was a stud walking up, walking up in there. Man, I, I was, I was um, you know, I'm tall now, you know, but I wasn't quite as tall um, 
then, and I remember walking into the local YMCA, it seemed like all the guys in there were about twice my size, and I'm a little, uh, little scrawny, uh, blonde-haired kid, but I had a mean crossover, and I could set up and do a jump shot if I wanted, and then I could drive through the hole and dish or do a reverse right in your face without you even seeing it. And I remember being in, in middle school and playing at the YMCA, and they would call me Steve Kerr. Drive through the lane, do a little reverse, and they would go, Steve Kerr! Like, that's right, that's right. We were playing, and um, for, what, for whatever reason, and I'm still confused to this day, that strategy didn't quite pan out uh, in my life. But all of us, all of us had a strategy, all of us had an idea, all of us had a way that we were going to get rich. Now, I wanted to ask you an even more awkward question this morning, but I decided, uh, because of better judgment, not to ask you this with hands raised, so don't raise your hands, but the question that I was going to ask you, and it's kind of a trick question, is how many of you today are rich? And that's a little, because we, we want to be rich, uh, but we, wanna, we don't want to talk about rich, and we don't want other people to know that we are rich. It's this weird kind of thing that we have to uh, face and try to figure out. We get awkwardly uncomfortable when we start talking about whether or not we are rich. But what I love about the Bible and what I love about what we're going to see today is that the Bible actually has a lot to say about being rich. It has a lot to say about it. And we're going to see here from the Apostle Paul, one of the early leaders of the church, spoke uh, this word to a young, scrappy church planner who was getting his feet wet in ministry, a guy by the name of Timothy. And Paul actually tells Timothy what to say to those around him in his congregation who are rich. And so today's message is for those of us who are rich. And all of us think, well, this message isn't for me today. (laughs) Well, just hold on and I'll show you that is not the case. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, this is what Paul says. As for the rich in this present age, charge them, or the idea is challenge them, Make them a little bit uncomfortable. Talk about money in church. Charge them not to be haughty, which is thinking that you are the reason why you have everything that you have. Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but where set their hope but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Verse 18. They are to do good and be rich. Everybody say, be rich. Be rich. rich. There's a difference. Charge them to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold, everybody wants to do this, take hold of that which is truly life. Now, here's what I want to say from the very beginning. Um, There is absolutely nothing wrong today There's absolutely nothing wrong with wealth, which means you don't need to feel bad if you have wealth. If you showed up here today uh, in a Beamer or a Benz, that's okay. You don't need to feel bad about that. You were probably um, uncomfortable by our gravel parking lot around the back, but hey, that's how we roll. This is the Bridge Church. It doesn't matter what you drove up in here today. There isn't anything moral or immoral about the amount of wealth that we Accrue. Money isn't evil. Money isn't the issue. 
uh, Paul would even tell us earlier in this chapter in verse 6, money isn't the issue, the love of money is the issue. Loving money, putting, you could say, your hope in money is the root or the root of all kinds of evil. So you can be wealthy and godly at the same time. Many people in the scriptures um, who loved God were extremely wealthy. I think of people like Nehemiah. Nehemiah in the Old Testament, that guy was loaded. I mean, he was loaded. He was loaded for God. I mean, he, he literally, he was the governor of all of God's people. And they say that his house was so big that he could have parties with dozens upon dozens upon dozens of people in his house. And he was extremely wealthy. I think of people like Job in the Old Testament. Job, who had all sorts of unbelievable earthly resources, was incredibly rich. Satan took it away from him. But then what did God do by the end of his life? He doubled everything that he had. It means God actually restored what was lost, made him incredibly wealthy. So I think just for all of us at the very beginning, we have to recognize that there isn't necessarily anything inherently wrong with wealth. But here's what we are going to say today. Here's my first point. Getting rich is different than being rich. Getting rich, well, that's different than being rich. Rich, And what we're going to see today and for the next couple weeks is that there is a difference. It's not enough just to get rich. You have to be rich, is what Paul says, being rich in good works. Which means being rich is about how you do it. It's about the way you do it. It's about your posture. It's about your behavior with the resources that you, are, that you have been given. Now, everybody in the room at this point is wondering, is asking the question of themselves, even the college students, even those who are retired are wondering, well, who is rich? Here's the interesting thing about rich. Rich is a, it's a moving target. I mean, everyone thinks that they aren't rich. <laughs> like, everyone thinks that the next level up are the people who are wealthy. There's actually a research study that I read this past week where it surveyed several different categories of people at different levels of income and asked them, uh, what would it mean for you to be rich? So literally... It started with people that made about 20 to 30 grand per year, not very much, and asked them, what do you define as rich? And they said uh, about 50 or $60,000, which is about double of what they actually had. And so they think in their mind, if I had double of what I had, then I would qualify as rich. Well, guess what? Um, the same survey asked the people who made 50 to $60,000, guess who they said were rich people? People that had about twice as much as they did, all right? And then they actually went to those people that were making up in the hundreds and a couple hundred thousand dollars and asked them what is rich, and they said the people that make about twice as much as them. You see the issue? The, the issue is that the idea or the concept of being rich, it's, it's a moving uh, target. The problem is that the rich person is always the other guy. <laughs> it's always that other family. It's those people out there. But most of us... And most people don't know that they are rich. Most people are rich and don't know it. You can be rich and not know it. You can be rich and not feel it. You can be rich and not act like it. Here's what being rich means, literally. Rich simply means having more than enough. Having more than enough. And so here's what I'm going to try to convince all of us today. And I know that some of you may not fall into this specific category, but what I'm going to try to demonstrate and convince all of you here today is that you are rich. 
And no one has ever told you that, and so I feel like it is my job today to tell you that you are rich. And some of you got rich a long time ago and no one told you. Here's why. We live in the richest moment in the richest nation in all of human history. We are experiencing a small window of time in human history that is really unparalleled. In fact, if you can read you are automatically rich by global standards, just if you can read. Many of us uh, that are in here today only have to work five days a week in order to have seven days' worth of food and shelter and clothing and health care. That's, that's, that's unprecedented in the world. Many of us have a household with several people, four or five, even more people in our home, but only have to send one person or perhaps two people into the workplace to earn enough money for the entire home. That's inconceivable in most countries around the world. Many of us will have so much money that we won't even have to work the last couple decades of our lives because we will be in something called retirement, a foreign concept to most people around the world. My wife and I have been able to travel to Haiti over the last couple of summers and go on a regular basis to be with a ministry that we partner with there, Haiti Awake. And this concept of even retirement is like a bogus idea. It doesn't even make sense. It's completely a foreign. But I know that some of you are here today and you're like, Ethan, I don't feel rich. I don't feel rich. I don't feel like I have uh, the things that I need to have. Ethan, if you only looked at my life and knew me, you would see there are times where I have bad cell service. Well, you have a cell phone. But Ethan, if you only got to understand my reality, you would, you, you would know that sometimes in a dorm room the Wi-Fi goes out. You have Wi-Fi. But Ethan, you don't understand me. I, this past week my computer crashed. You have a computer. Uh, but Ethan, I, if, you, if you knew my car trouble and all the maintenance that I have to do with my car... You own a car. But uh, Ethan, um, but we, our family, we aren't sure where to go on vacation this year. You get to go on vacation. But Ethan, Ethan, my Amazon shipment was two days late. If you under, only understood my reality of what I'm going through. Most of us, I mean, we don't even have categories of what it means to truly be poor. Now, here's, I want to be very sensitive with this, because we have people in our congregation that you are broke, all right? And some of you are broke because you were dumb, and some of you are broke because uh, you are in a situation that you are, in some ways, a victim of your situation, all right? Now, here, here's what I would say to you. We absolutely love that we have a church of all sorts of different socioeconomic status, which means you walk through the door and you're broke, you're welcome here, all right? You walk through the, broke and, uh, walk through the, walk through the door and you don't have any money, you're welcome here. Like, you're loved here, you're adored here, you're valued here. You walk in here today and you don't have a place to sleep tonight, you're loved, you're welcome, you, you, you can be here. We absolutely love that we have a church like, like that. But here, here's, even if you are poor, even if you would consider yourself, Ethan, I don't even, I'm not sure how I'm going to pay my bills, which I totally get. Even, I'm not even sure, I, I don't have a job, whatever, I'm in this situation, all right? Even if you fall into that category of poor, you're way better off than people were a few decades ago. Like, even, even to be poor in this moment and in this place, this space and time, you're even incredibly more blessed than people just a few decades ago and, of course, a couple of century, centuries ago than, than we are right now. 
And so here's what I'm, I'm, I'm doing. I'm not trying to give anybody here today rich guilt, all right? I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty about being rich. I want you to be grateful for being rich. I want you to be grateful that we get to experience the things that we get to experience. All right, so here's, here's what we have to understand. I'll put it on the screens for you. Being rich is not about how much money you have. It's about what you do with what you have. That's what it means to be rich. Anybody can get rich, but not everybody can be rich. There's a difference. Most people who are rich don't know how to be rich. And it's not about how much money you have. It's not about how big your house is. It's not about how uh, much money you have in your bank account right now, even if your account is in the negative. It's about what you do with what you have. See, here's the unfortunate reality. Studies literally tell us that in America... In America, the more that someone makes proportionately, the more that they make over the course of their life, as their income increases, their generosity proportionately decreases. It's, 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 a, it's a stat. I read it in a survey this past week. That the average American, as they go throughout their life and as they become more wealthy and whatever, to whatever degree, it doesn't matter the degree, the more wealthy you become, the less generous you become proportionately. Now, that, that's, that's a problem. Here's, here's another a problem. A stat I read this past week, 43% of, of Americans, uh, 43% of Americans who are well off donated none of their income in the previous year. 43% of Americans who are well off or who aren't poor donated none of their income in the previous year, which means if that was true of our church, almost right down the middle, this entire side gave zero to anybody over the course of last year. That's absolutely crazy. See, here's the issue. Americans know how to get rich, but Americans don't know how to be rich. And the beauty of what we see today and the beauty of what I want you to understand for your life is how to be rich, is to not go through your life and not ever be generous with what the Lord has given you, but to be, have a life that overflows in generosity, a life that gives, a life that overflows. Did you know that everything you have is a gift from God? everything you have. And I didn't understand this for a few years. I thought, well, if you only knew, I worked hard to get the GPA that I got. And I worked hard to get the job that I got and to, to excel and to promote myself and to get into the place where I have got to earn the income that I have received. Ethan, what are you saying that everything I have is a gift from God? I worked for this. Okay. Where did you get the intellect to be able to get the grades that you got in school? Where did you get the drive in order to have the work ethic that you had? Where did you get the insight and the abilities to think business-wise in order to take yourself to the top of your company or perhaps own your own business? Where did it come from? That came from God. That came from God, which means everything that you have, everything that you enjoy, it's a, it's a gift from God, that God has generously gifted you and resourced you with what you have. And I even have to do, do a... I even have to kind of check myself on this when I even think about our church and what the Lord has done. There's a tendency for our elders to look at our church over the past three years and see what we've done and be like, hey, hey, great job, guys. Man, y'all, y'all are kicking it out of the park. Here's the reality. God could have done this with anybody. God didn't need me to do this. Like, I'm not the X factor in this whole process. I, I, don't, I didn't come up with my talents. I, I didn't, like, go, I didn't pay for the ability to communicate. I, I, that was given to me as a gift by God. Like everything that I have, everything that I've been able to be able to participate and contribute is from God. Like the ability that I can stand on two legs that work today, that's a gift from God. 
The ability that I have to be able to um, see you with my eyes, that's a gift from God. The ability that I can hear and then I can use words. We have people in our congregation that don't have the ability to see, don't have the ability to talk, don't have the ability to hear. And I have those abilities as a gift from God. It's all a gift from God. Everything that we have, everything that we get to enjoy, it's all from Him. And when you recognize that what you have and what you get to enjoy is from God, it fundamentally changes everything. It's only in that moment that you really find out how not to just get rich, but how to be rich. But it's all from God that everything that we have is a gift from God. And here's, I'll say this, I love what, I love what Paul says in this passage about hope. He says this, um, let's see, verse Verse 17 and 18, he says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything. Here's, here's what that, that means. Being rich is about where you set your hope. Being rich is about where you set your hope. I remember just after the season where I was a super basketball player in middle school, right after that season, I remember being in high school and thinking that if I could only get the new pair of Nike Airs, then that would absolutely change my life. Because the cool kids had the Nike Airs. I remember, if you remember, if you can think back, it was when they first came out with a little clear bubble under the heel in the Nike Airs. I remember thinking, man, if I could only get those shoes, then I would finally arrive and be with the cool kids, and everybody would accept me, they would like me, I would fit in, I would be good. Now, the only problem with that is that I grew up in a household that I would consider was, was not super fortunate. We were blessed, but we weren't uh, fortunate. I remember that when I was growing up, we lived with my grandmother in her home. There were seven of us in a three-bedroom house. It was about 1,400 square feet that had one and a half baths. I remember, I remember growing up in that little house and not having very much. I remember even we would, as we, there were four of us kids, um, and I remember, uh, I could remember distinctively the few times that we would go out to eat. I remember we would go out to eat. I remember every few months on a Sunday, maybe there was something happening with the family. Maybe there was something that, that we um, did to reward this, and my parents would take all four of us on a Sunday after church to uh, Ryan's Steakhouse. You ever, ever been to a Ryan's Steakhouse? And we were like, yes! And we were like, this is awesome! It was, it was, it was amazing. We loved it. We, just, we, we grew up in a family that, that didn't have a, a ton of resources to be able to do things like that. But I remember that I had to have a pair of Nike Airs. Like, I had to have them. So I convinced and coerced my mom into taking us to Magnolia Mall and going into the Foot Locker there to look at these shoes. And I finally got her there, and we're in the store. And I remember grabbing those pair of shoes off of the holder and getting down on my hands and my knees and saying, Mom, I have to have these shoes. If you only knew what this would do for me and my friends, uh, you have to get me these shoes. And in a moment where my mother never acted like this, she said, okay, I'll buy you the pair of shoes. I remember that day. I remember I got those, those shoes, and I remember I put them on feeling like a million dollars walking around school, and I felt like this would give me acceptance and approval with the cool kids. So here's, the, here's the, the problem. We set our hope on things, on possessions, on stuff that don't actually have the ability to deliver on what we want them to deliver on. 
Paul says to warn the rich, which is each of us, to warn them not to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Proverbs says that riches are like an eagle. It makes wings and flies away. You ever been in a situation like that? You lost your income? You lost a job? You lost finances? Anybody that's ever had money knows it's just as easy to lose the money. Anything can happen. You have to put a new roof, new AC unit on your house. A car completely breaks down. New transmission, new engine. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long for those riches to begin to fade away. And Paul says being rich, being rich is about where you set your hope. I love what Dave Ramsey says. He says we buy stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Why do we do that? We, we buy stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. It's because we're chasing for something. All of us today, all of us in the room, we're chasing for something. We're searching for something. We're trying to find that acceptance and that approval. For me, the Nike Airs, it was longing for acceptance and approval from my friends. And the Bible tells us that either you are chasing God or you're chasing riches. You can't chase both. Either you're setting your hope in this moment in God and who he is, or you're setting your hope on the riches or the things that you have. You, you, can't, you can't do both. Ecclesiastes 5.10, it says this. It's an unbelievable verse, unbelievably wise. It says this, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Vanity means empty. It means you're putting your stock, you're putting your hope, you're putting the weight of your soul and your life and your joy and your happiness on something that's empty that doesn't have the ability to actually deliver on that. See, as humans, we have a bad tendency to create for ourselves functional gods. Functional gods, and then we create functional heavens and functional hells with a functional gospel to keep us out of our hell and get us into our heaven. See, in middle school, my functional God was approval of others, which is probably some of ours today as well. You want to be approved of, just want to be accepted of. You want people at your job to think something of you. You want the people that are around you to think that you're great, to think that you, that you mean, that you, are, that you mean something, that you're significant. And for me, my functional God was approval. My functional heaven was walking the streets of my school with cool shoes on with cool kids. My functional hell was not being able to be included in that place and to be separated from there. And my functional gospel was Nike Airs to get me to my functional heaven. See, the gospel, the beautiful thing about the gospel, the beautiful thing about Christianity is that there isn't anything in this world that has the ability to satisfy your soul. Go ahead, chase it. Work for it. Try to get it. Try to acquire it. And when you acquire it, you will recognize that it doesn't have the ability to satisfy your soul. You live in the biggest house in Wilmington, and that will not make you happy. You, you can own the biggest business in southeast North Carolina, and that will not make you happy. It doesn't have the ability to satisfy your soul. It still won't make you feel like you're approved, that you're accepted. Here's the gospel. The gospel is that God accepts you regardless of what you bring to the table. God approves of you regardless of the wealth or the things that you bring to him. The gospel is that God loves you and he has come for you regardless of what you look like, regardless of how old you are, regardless of how poor you are, regardless of how rich you are. He loves you for you because he loves you. He's came and he's, he's gone to the cross and his name is Jesus Christ. 
And he's taken on your sin and your shame and your brokenness and your poverty. He's taken it on to him. And then he's given you, he's given you the gift of God, God's acceptance. He's given you the gift of God's approval, which means the God of the universe, the maker of the heavens, of all that is, he looks at you in Christ and approves 100% of you. It means that he loves you. It means that he accepts you. And when you have that kind of acceptance, when you have that kind of approval, it doesn't matter what else you have because you are approved in God. That's the gospel. It's amazing. It's crazy. It's the craziest idea in the history of the world because that's the kind of God that we have, a God that loves us like that. Is he not good, church? Amen. Amen. He is good. So here's, here's, here's what I want, this is my last point. Here's what I want you to know for today. And this is huge. Some of you need to take your lipstick and put this on the mirror in your bathroom. This is huge. Everything you need today for joy you already have in Christ. Everything you need today for joy you already have in Christ. That will fundamentally change your life will fundamentally change the way that you look at your family, fundamentally change the way that you look at your spouse, fundamentally change the way that you look at your house and your car and your stuff that you have. When you recognize it doesn't matter what I have in this world, if I have Christ, I have everything that I need for joy today. It's good. It's, it's a good word. That's, that's what it means to know Christ. It's what it means to, to know him and to walk in him. So here's what we're going to do, church. We are going to be a church that knows how to be rich. All right, we're not going to be a church that focuses on primarily on how to get rich. We're going to be a church that understands what it means to be rich. And here's why I love this season. I love this season where we can talk about this, not because the church is in a financial, uh, financially bad place. Like, we don't do this because we are in need. Like, here's the crazy thing. Um, the rich church is one of the most generous churches that I've ever been a part of. It's, it's awesome. Uh, this year, when we set our fiscal budget, which runs from July to June, typically the first half of the year, we're not meeting budget, and you have to make it up in the, the back half because you set a, a number for each month. Here's the crazy thing about the Bridge Church. For the first several months of the fiscal year, we have met budget every single month, every, every month, which means I'm, I'm not like doing this because we, we need money. Like This isn't like a ploy. This isn't like a pastor ploy to get your money. We talk about money not because of what we want from you, but because of what we want for you. Like Jesus talked about money all the time because he knows it has a tendency to grab our hearts. It has a tendency to put its hands, its dirty hands all over our heart and to steal our joy. And so we're the richest nation in the richest moment in the history of the world. And we're going to be rich. And I love, love this season. One of the things that we get, we get to do, and you're going to hear more about this at the end of our worship gathering today, is Christmas for the city. Christmas for the city, which is an annual thing that we do that's above and beyond our giving towards the bridge. It's above and beyond. It's giving our dollars and our resources towards the kingdom of God. It's called Christmas for the city. And I do this. My family does this. I encourage every family, every person, every individual at the church to do this, to give your best gift this year for Christmas. Give your best gift to Jesus. Give your best gift to Jesus. We bring our family together. We sit down at the table, my wife and our little girls, and we talk about what do we want to give Jesus this year? What do we want to give towards our city? What do we want to give towards our country? What do we want to give towards the nation? And so we do for the city, for the nation, and for the world. This year, the goal is $83,500. 
And all of that money, 100% of it, is going to go outside of the Bridge Church. Is that not crazy to you? I feel like a crazy man standing up here and talking about that. It's Christmas, it's Christmas for the city. And though Americans spend an unbelievable amount of money on themselves during the Christmas season, we're going to be rich as a church. We're going to be rich as a church and give our best give and give our primary gift to Jesus and to what he's doing because everything that he has given us is for his kingdom. It's for his kingdom. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead, which means investing in his kingdom, a kingdom that will be here long after we are here. Amen? You want to be rich? You've got to be rich. We've got to be rich. It's not just enough to get rich. We have to be rich. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would cultivate in our hearts the ability to, to be rich, not just to get rich, but to, to be rich and to live lives of radical generosity, radical generosity where we Take the resources that you've blessed us with and we invest them back in your kingdom and what you're doing. So, Lord, we ask that you would bless us. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus and how he has been unbelievably generous to us. We love you. And in this way, we respond. In Jesus' good name, amen.